And I think as a teacher, you need to be flexible in how your units go and delivering them. They might not always look the way you think they're going to look, and that's okay. And just taking the the different paths as they may change throughout the, the unit, and you'll still get to the end result. You just might not get there the same way you thought you were going to. You're listening to the OCDSB XL podcast. A podcast documenting stories of powerful learning in the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. I'm Cam Jones, your host, and today we speak with Angela Robinson, a grade 8 teacher taking her students' content creation beyond the walls of the classroom and the school into the world where those voices belong. So Angela, welcome to the OCDSB XL podcast. How are you doing today? I'm terrific. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's really a pleasure to have you here. Um, so one of the goals of this podcast is to give people a sort of a behind the scenes um, of not only these amazing projects that folks are putting together in the board, but also to see the, the process that gets you to the project. And so what I was hoping we could do to start with is to just sort of have you talk about your earliest inclinations towards this adventure that has led to the podcasting at Henry Larson. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share this information. So it all started when we did the switch to online learning uh, last year. I thought over the summer, I want to prepare myself in case we do a swap out again. So I thought, let's, I want to prepare a unit that I could do in person or easily switch to online. And at the time, I had just been introduced to podcasts. I think I'm a little late to the game listening to them myself. So as I was listening to my own podcast, I was out for a walk and I thought to myself, hey, this might be a really great idea to have my students create their own podcast. So the original idea was that So I started working on a a unit, putting it together, because I like to do the unit plans ahead of time so they're easy during the year to access. So my original idea was that I was going to have the students use a voice recorder and just record a podcast using the voice recorder, and then I would embed it in like a Google slide type of idea, and then the students would present it to the class in that manner. I had registered for an experiential learning workshop To be honest, I had forgotten I had registered and then I got the reminder email. (laughs) So I I went to the workshop and then through conversations and flowing, it dawned on me, well, wait a second, why stop at the students recording their voices using a voice recorder? Why not create an actual podcast, a real live podcast? So then the big question became, how? How do we do this? And then I know, Cam, I reached out to you. We had some conversations at the end of the workshop in a couple of days uh, afterwards to just start thinking about, is this a possibility and how can I make this work? So that's kind of how the idea started. And, uh, And then when I was thinking about the podcast itself, I thought there was a need to 
work as a team at the current school I was at. There wasn't a lot of projects that uh, we worked together with. And I had previously worked at a school where the, all the intermediate students worked together uh, on the same project and then shared their end result. And there was a lot of cross-curricular approach to that, embedding a lot of different less, uh, uh, subjects into it. So I thought maybe this would be a perfect opportunity to work with other teachers at this school and where all intermediate students did the same unit where we could share our learning together. So I brought it forward to the team of teachers just to see if the interest was there. And it was, and I'm so glad I did because I learned so much in the, in the process from my colleagues. And it turned out even better than expected, especially, I think I can talk later on more about the music component uh, of the podcast. But uh, wow, it really was something. And I think that it really opened an opportunity to have more collaboration uh, as a team. So let's, let's focus in there for a second, because you know, part of part of what you're describing is you had a vision for this, which was initially inspired by kind of a need to be able to respond to closures and, and hybrid learning and virtual learning if necessary. And then over time, the vision changes. And I'm wondering, then, could, could you give us a sense? Could you go back to the point where it's still an idea, you haven't brought it forward to students or colleagues yet? What are you imagining is going to happen? And then maybe as an extension to that, talk us through a little bit about what did happen, maybe some surprises along the way and how those occurred. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And there definitely were a lot of surprises. In my head, I thought, okay, we're going to do this. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I did some research and there was a couple of apps that appeared on educational websites uh, of how to go about producing your podcast. Because I'm definitely not the first in the world to do this. It's not reinventing, you know, creating your own ideas. I, I mean, it is, but it, it's also, you look to see what else has been done out there. So then started looking at what apps could I use. And the surprise came really from how hard it was to get going with this because you bring these ideas to your administration uh, and then you're working within the parameters that the school board has set and so when it comes to using different apps for a project such as developing your own podcast there's a whole um, segment around what apps are in fact vetted with your school board what can you use and then so that was a real big challenge uh, to begin with. Some other hurdles I had along the way was about uh, consent. And I didn't realize that that was going to be such an issue either. Um, I thought that it would be pretty straightforward. We would use a simple letter to the parents, uh, but it turned out that it needed to be a lot more detailed. Uh, and so it took a long time to come up with an appropriate in building upon the informed consent to send home. It took a while for us to be able to find what app would be most appropriate to use for this project, uh, keeping in mind student safety. Uh, and then it, it took a while to get uh, other people on board with it uh, to support the idea and to move forward. But it, it helped that I did have people on my team 
who wanted to see this project be successful. And that was really important to have support from other colleagues. So I'm thinking, you know, you, you're describing in part just uh, building an awareness around all of the variables that come into play before you can get to the point of, of recording a podcast, for example. I'm wondering, as you're doing the, the sort of operational stuff, uh, of weeding through policy and procedure and, and, and vetting apps and this kind of thing. What are you imagining the students are going to be doing? Like, what are you imagining is going to be the result of the work? I imagine the result of the work was that the students were going to create a podcast that was going to go out to the entire world. Uh, and that's where the, the learning and the project goal really shifted after the experiential learning workshop was that the audience and the extent to which they were going to be able to share their work reached far further than I had ever imagined. So if we could create a real life podcast, not only could they share it with their friends, but they could share it with their families, could easily access it. Their extended families that live far away could access it. The world could access it. And then they had, when there was that idea that the world was going to see their work, there was a bigger sense of ownership uh, over their project from the students. Hmm. I want to come back to that shortly. I'm wondering, so you have this vision, you're implementing the vision, and then I think different pieces start to come together. And I'm wondering, um, in particular, when you started to bring in some of your community partners, how does that change the learning, shift the learning for the students? What are you seeing in the classroom and, and who are you working with? So to bring in community partners, really thought about, okay, who out there in the community would be beneficial for the students to interact with? Who would have something to offer? And, you know, who else can the students learn from other than myself? Because again, I'm no expert at producing podcasts myself. So we reached out to um, CBC Radio, to Lawrence Wall. We had Lawrence Wall join us virtually, and he was fantastic. He was able to give the students advice on you know, how to sit in a chair when you're going to give a, deliver a podcast. How are you going to engage in your audience? How close do you talk to the microphone? How do you sound enthusiastic without being overbearing? Uh, so he talked a lot about that, but then he also was interested to know the topics that the students were floating around with and was able to give them feedback on how to maybe take their topics and... Um, broaden them or make them more narrow so they were more manageable. And this was the big thing about this project. And this is what really drove me to want to do this project too, was student choice. I truly believe that the more students are interested in the learning, they're going to be engaged in the learning, they're going to want to do a better job. So I often want student interest to drive the learning. I want to give the students choice in what they're doing. And so the podcast unit really allowed for a lot of choice. Uh, to happen. Um, back to the community partners, we also brought in Hot A99. We wanted somebody that the students knew they could connect with and why not use radio talk show hosts that they listen to in the morning that have a job that's very similar to podcasts. And that was the other piece as well to the unit is this is 
a unit where they could go out and our world is rapidly changing. There are jobs that they could see where the skills they are learning today in the classroom could be used in those jobs in the future, whether that's creating their own podcast later on, whether that is working in radio, uh, the application is far extending. So I think that having Hot A99 come in really spoke to the students. They learned a lot about what it's like to work in the radio and things that they needed to do for their own podcast unit. They were really great to have on. And then we also reached out to the interview dudes who are a group of 12-year-olds that have their own podcast. And they've had celebrities on like Ryan Reynolds and so on. And they really were great to give information about how to reach out and get guests to come on your podcast and things that they have to think about in terms of the production of the podcast and having somebody that's really in that business deliver that information. It meant more than just coming from just their their classroom teacher as they saw it. So I'm wondering, you know, I've seen a photograph of some of the planning documents, the, you know, yeah, like sticky notes and, and, and poster paper. I'm wondering if you could talk about, you introduce this, this podcast unit. How do you get from, here's an idea. What if we make podcasts to students, you know, writing, developing 14 different episodes with, you know, various, various kind of inputs, right? Some had guests, some don't have guests. So some are narrative podcasts, other interview based podcasts. How do you get to that point? What does it look like to activate student choice? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, Cam, we had 14 in that one class, but we had 45 podcasts developed in this school, give or take a few numbers on that one. But, um, So I think, again, what we did is we exposed the students to several different podcasts that are already out there. So we spent a week, two weeks, I forget exactly how long, listening to a variety, a wide range of different types of podcasts. So they could really start to feel what they would want theirs to look like. Um, And then students had time to brainstorm ideas that they would want their podcast, the topics that, and the themes that they would want their own podcast to be about. I gave them time for planning, for brainstorming, and if they came up with an idea, researching. And that research involved not only collecting information that they would talk about, but also figuring out, do they want to have a guest come in? If they did, who would that guest be? How do they contact that guest? Um, if they didn't, did they want to work with a partner? Did they want to work alone? So right there, there's student choice with who they work with. Do they have a guest? What topic they use? So it was really interest-driven for each specific student. That's what I really liked about this this unit. So I'm interested, you know, you're describing the student experience, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it's really interesting to hear about the student experience. I'm also interested in, you know, you've made the point now a couple of times that you're not an expert podcaster. You've not made a podcast on your own. You've not done this kind of work before. So what is the teacher work looking like as your students are embarking on this adventure? Cause I mean, really it's also an adventure for you. And so I'm wondering how are you monitoring, you know, things as nuts and bolts as the curriculum, but also what does teaching look like when you are doing something where you're not the expert, 
your students are very quickly becoming more expert than you. So then what does the teaching look like? <laughs> the teaching looks like panic. I think I spent a lot of time at the beginning of this unit very worried about the time when the students would get to recording their own app and using Anchor, which I wasn't super familiar with. I had never published it before, and I thought about the editing that would go into place and then the music component. So I spent a lot of time really worried about that final publication the producing part because that was what was key to this whole unit was the end result and I, I thought oh I, I just I don't know what I'm doing I, and I felt at that time the teachers are supposed to know how to use everything I should know how to tell them in case there's troubleshooting that needs to be done along the way but what I really learned myself throughout this unit is that I don't have to know everything and it became a learning experience with my students and at times near the end when it came to the the publication part of it they were showing me how to use anchor and I think that that was actually very empowering for us as a class um, learning from each other and they were really excited to show me things that they knew how to work at the end so now looking back on it I wouldn't have panicked so much but a lot of time was spent with that apprehension that apprehensive feeling that, oh, am I, am I going to know what to do at the end? Okay. A lot of background that was happening, too, in the teacher role was working with my colleagues to say. So part of the podcast, when we were looking at a cross-curricular and, and a team approach and a collaborative approach amongst teachers, is looking at everybody's skill set. What, what can they bring to the table? What do they want to include? And our music teacher stepped up and said, hey, you know what? I could use this for my music program this year. I can have the students create their own music pieces and they can use that to be the introduction to their podcast like and the outro music. Hey, great. Let's do this. So then he was doing that in the class and I spent a lot of time actually working with him thinking, hey, this is great. We can expand this. This is awesome. I never thought about including music in the podcast when we first started it out. And I thought that that was so great. And that ended up being one of the students' favorite parts was developing and creating their own music to add to it. Hmm. Can you think of an example? I, I'm just, I, I'm keen on an example of a time when you're learning from a student especially one that, that, that links to your, your concern about, you know, okay, now we're, now we're, you know, we're making these podcasts, we're recording audio, but I'm thinking down the road at some point we've got to, you know, put these on anchor and they've got to be edited. And what does that look like? Can you think of a, of an anecdote where you're coming to a situation thinking, okay, I'm out of my league and it's actually the students who bring the solution to the, to the table. Yeah, actually, I went back to my class at one point before the, the recording took place on Anchor and I said, okay, here's, the, here's what I'm trying to troubleshoot. Can you help me out? And I, I did this a couple of times throughout the process so they could really see where my thinking was at. And I thought, hey, why not share these problems with the class and let's co-create solutions together. So I said to my students at one point when it came to guests, okay, how are we going to go about this? And they need to fill, like the guests need to fill out a, a consent form when we do Google Meet uh, to say they wouldn't share personal information. And I had a lot of guests actually turn away because they didn't want to fill that form out. So I said, okay, who, how are we going to go about getting this, the 
the guests to feel comfortable with that. Can you help me co-create emails? That was one thing along the way uh, to reach out to these guests to have them come in. And then it was, okay, now that we have the guests, how are we going to record the guests? They're going to be doing this through Google Meet, but then it has to go on to Anchor. So how are we going to make that happen? And then it was troubleshooting, okay, you've created music yourself in a different app. How are we going to get that into Anchor? What does that look like? How does the extraction of audio come into play? The students were coming up with different apps that they could use at first with creating the music and putting it in. So, you know, so describe to me, you know, either a music example or, or a production example where where what, what kinds of solution, what are you learning from them in the process of getting to the point of getting these things on anchor? Well, okay. Part of the problem was the masks. Mm. So the mask was really muffling their sound. So the question was, how do we go about working around the COVID restrictions and the COVID rules? So the students said, well, miss, why don't we do it from home? Okay, but then the problem was that the Anchor account had to be done under the teacher name and that they couldn't connect with the iPad airdrops from home. It had to be, and they because we were doing it not under a student account, but a teacher account for privacy reasons, they could not record it from their own devices at home. There was a barrier to that. So they had to be done at school. So then we thought about putting them in separate rooms where they were the only ones in the room where they could do it through Google Meet and they could pull their masks away from their face so it wasn't as muffled, extract the audio from the Google Meet and then put that into Anchor. So that was kind of, and they had come up with some of those solutions and I liked that. I liked that they were brainstorming ways that we could get around some of the barriers together. Because they're not only working on the assignment when you describe that, they're working on all the pieces that make this, the assignment successful, right? So I'm just like, I'm thinking you're seeing skills in, in student learning that you wouldn't typically see if you're focused entirely on a product because in the process, there's all kinds of problem solving that you haven't figured out. Because how could you figure it out? It needed to be something you did together. That's right. And what I really, and, and I think the important key there too was resilience in students. Learning that, hey, I have a problem. I'm not going to shut down and just say I'm not going to do this anymore. How do we overcome this together? So I, I'm, I'm wanting to come back to the, to the extracurricular, pardon me, the cross-curricular part where you start to bring the whole inter, intermediate team together. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, can you just talk us through what that looks like from a school level, like just the teachers beginning to collaborate. And then can you start to steer that into, what is that like for students to start to see there being links, you know, between teachers, between curriculum, between classes? I think from a teacher point of view, there was, for example, okay, I was having a conversation about how I wanted to do incorporate media literacy into this unit, have them design their own logos. And then a colleague of mine who teaches two of the classes that I teach art said, well, wait a second, I can get in on this. Like I can teach art. I can use this 
with their, their art class as well. Hey, yeah, why not? Let's do that. And then, like I said, the music teacher piped in and said, well, I can do this with, with music as well. So the, as soon as we start bringing in several different subjects, and hey, if one student was doing his podcast on nuclear fusion, well, you can, you can put that towards a mark in science, really. Mm-hmm. So depending on their topic, it can also give you an awareness of their understanding of different subject areas in, in that way. So I think it really, the conversations that were happening, it allowed other teachers to say, hey, I want to do this in my class. And the end result is this. The students were not just siloed into an English period working on this project or a music period working on this project or, 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 or right? It allowed the students to work on it for a good majority of the day. And so they could have more time being creative. And I'm interested because, you know, for, for listeners who may not be aware, you start this project face to face at Henry Larson. That's right. We go on winter break, we return, we're now fully virtual. Which, which, as you've said earlier, is one of the things you're thinking about, but this is last spring you're thinking about it, and now it's actually happening. And so what I'm wondering is, you have students working across disciplines with multiple teachers um, on, a, on a major project, and when you get to the point where you're now having to think about publishing and, and, and kind of tie things together you're fully virtual. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, to be honest, by that point, we were already done the editing phase. But I will say this, what we could have done if they weren't done the editing and final publication phase, because some of them were already fully published by the time Christmas break came. But if not, it would have been so simple, even under the teacher account, to give them different time slots from 10.30 to 11.30, you know, student A, you are going to work on the anchor and you're going to be editing yours and and give them sign up times when they want to work. It would have been so easy to just change and say, okay, you're editing it during this time and this time, because that's what we did in class. We said, okay, you have access to anchor at this time to edit it because that was the part of the, one of the barriers was coming up with a, a, the way that we were going to work on it as a class when it came to the editing, because it could only be one episode at a time being edited. So there's something really interesting there that I want to just, you know, pull the camera back a little bit to pay attention to. In the spring, I'm assuming, as so many educators felt, you felt like there are so many variables in play, and to be able to to adjust for all of them probably felt almost impossible. Oh, yeah. Jump forward really only, you know, seven or eight months and you're actually describing what would have sounded like impossible in the spring as easy. And, I, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm wondering if you've thought about that, about how going through this nuanced project that you, you, you know, you had never tried anything like this before has now helped you become a more nimble teacher, see your, your subject matter in a, in a, in a, in a more broad context with, with multiple connections. I'm wondering how you view your role having now gone through this adventure yourself. 
Yeah, that- because I think I became more comfortable with being faced with obstacles. And, and I think when I say that, I mean that there was no, I had no problem by the end of this unit going back to the students and saying, okay, here's the next hiccup. And I said to them at the very start of the unit, this is the first time this project is being, is happening. And we're going to be lighting the way for the rest of the school board and any other teachers in grade eight that might want to do this unit afterwards. So I'm going to really need your help on this one so that we can figure out the best way to to do this in the future. So I had no problems at the end sharing with the students any problems I came up with. And that was really different for me because that's not how I normally am. I like to have all the answers. And so I say it was easy because I was used to facing barriers. The amount of obstacles at the very beginning were they seemed at some points I wanted to throw my hands up and say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to do this. This is too much. Um, so I think after going through that beginning phase where it seemed like too much, then at the end, nothing seemed like it was going to be a problem. I think that the excitement the students have was contagious on this project. So it made me really excited to have that outcome that I so badly wanted and they wanted. Um, And I realized that through being more flexible with sharing the problems, I learned to be more adaptable myself. And I think as a teacher, you need to be flexible in how your units go and delivering them. They might not always look the way you think they're going to look, and that's okay. And just taking the the different paths as they may change throughout the, the unit and you'll still get to the end result. You just might not get there the same way you thought you were going to. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I want to, I want to take now the project into the phase where you're going to share it. And, and you've been very like you're sharing it beyond the walls of the classroom, beyond the walls of the school, uh, into the world. And I know that your students have talked about the same thing, right? Feeling like we're sharing this project, not, not within, um, you know, even, even a circle that we understand, we're sharing it out into the world for the world to see. And I'm wondering, can you talk about, you know, have you heard anything from the world since you put these out there? Have you heard the students talk about what it feels like to share their work in this, in this authentic way. I've heard back from parents who really enjoyed the ability to see the end result of their students' hard work. I liked that parents were also um, commenting how they, were, they enjoyed being able to see other students' work as well. I think for the students too, one of the biggest things is that they're not often privy to seeing the result of student work in other grade eight classes within the same school. And what we were able to do is that we were able to share what students in my class did with the students in the other grade eight class and vice versa. And that was really neat for the students. I was really empowering for them as well. They really felt okay, great, like we're all doing the same thing and we're all doing, but it's yet it's individual and it's unique and I can see what they're doing in the other grade eight class. I can see what they're doing in the other grade seven class. They were really embarrassed at first with the idea of the whole world listening to their podcasts. And I can understand that. I can appreciate that. 
But at the end of it, the feedback from the students was we loved that the whole world got to hear our end result. And the one thing we, they wished was that they were able to do more than one episode. They wanted to have a series of podcast episodes for their, their overall podcast idea. So moving forward, that would be something really neat to almost have it go all year long where they're making continuous episodes for their podcast. So Angela, I'm wondering if you can think of, a, of an anecdote where a student, you know, began the experience, the project feeling, use the word embarrassed, and by the end, you know, was celebrating the work that they had done. I had students who were, who struggled uh, academically, um, who were not, um, were often shy, reluctant to put their hand up to contribute their ideas, their discussions, and so on. They were able to choose a topic that they were passionate about. So I'm thinking of particular students. Uh, they did a podcast almost like a Don Sherry idea with the hockey guys. And they were able to talk about the one thing they were super passionate about. And they did it with such enthusiasm, with such energy. It was captivating. The students were laughing along with them at their jokes while the podcast was going on. And to see those students thrive at the response of their, their peers to say, hey, I, I want to do another episode of this. That was great. I could see that their confidence really developed throughout this unit. That, to me, was worth it all. That's a great story. So here's what I'm wondering. Last question. I, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, uh, you know, with the hashtag what learning looks like. And I think you've described, you know, the power of, of a learning experience built around, you know, a major project that, that took the better part of five months to, to develop. What I'm wondering is what does learning look like in your classroom now? And you've already alluded to it, but what, what are you working towards? What are you thinking into the future about where you might take this learning experience? Well, I think in the future, I want to continue with building that community feel feeling. Whether it's a podcast unit or a different unit, I love that idea of working as a team with teachers, as a whole division where students get to showcase their work. I love that. I love bringing in community members into the classroom, such as the Lawrence Walls and the Hottie Nine Nines. I love that. I would like to continue that. I also think if I were to do the podcast again, like I've already mentioned, I would give them the opportunity to do a second episode and a third because they're just going to get better and better every single time. I also, uh, again, back to that, that essential idea for me is that the ability for students to be creative, to use their interests to drive learning to get full student engagement. And so for me, it's really important that the units that I do do in the language class or geography or any other subject, that there is student choice involved. 
that student interest is essential to that. And so I've already moved on to a different unit in an English class and student choice is the the center of it again. It's the highlight, it's the the driving factor and what a difference it makes. Can you talk really quickly about the the new podcast series that Henry Larson's leading um, where students are interviewing high school students? Oh yeah, I'm so excited about this. What I think is really great about this opportunity is we took something that we're doing in the class and then we're able to extend that to other schools and to board level initiatives. So when we were talking about podcasts at the beginning of the year, I was having conversations with my principal about this and the conversation came up about the the board's desire to address student wellness, especially this year. And so the conversation led to, hey, why don't we take podcasts and extend that? And why don't we create podcasts? So these students will be experts after they do it in the class so they can create it. And they can, as grade eight students, work with the high school students to ask questions that they may have around the transition to high school piece. It could help with student wellness. It can help reduce anxiety, can just answer questions. And I've really been an advocate of having more cross-panel interaction. As a grade eight teacher, more connection with the high school teachers. And that's really hard to do. But this is a really great opportunity to do that. So I reached out to our feeder school, Kareen Wilson, and also Sir Will, uh, two local high schools in Orleans. And they were really excited to get on board with this initiative. And especially in a time where students uh, in COVID might not necessarily get a chance to go into the buildings themselves or to meet with the guidance counselors, it allowed them an avenue to ask questions and to get those answers. So we partnered up with uh, some Link Crew members who are great leaders at the high school. And we used some of our grade eight students and we sat them down and they made a podcast just a conversation about any questions they had about courses high schools had to offer, what lunchtime looked like, the use of lockers, questions that we sometimes overlook as teachers that students might have. And I, ha- I, I just love it. I love the, the impact of it. I love that it can be shared with all schools across the district because even if they're not going to that particular high school, the questions are going to be very similar across the board. And now we're extending it to other high schools that might be interested in creating that podcast. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate to me in, in bookending the story of your experience that we have finally found a way to give students a voice about something that's obviously important to them And in many ways, we've been trying to address transitions from middle school to high school as adults for my entire career. And because your students are now in the habit of creating creating stories with audio, we're actually getting to have their questions posed to their peers just a year ahead of them so that they can feel more prepared, more comfortable for that step. And I, and I think it's just such a beautiful, you know, result of the learning experience that you've developed. Oh, yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I'm so proud of the work that my students have done. And, and I'm really 
proud too of all the teachers that who bought into it that said hey yeah I want to join in because it does take you know a sense of bravery and it does take a step outside of your comfort zone and so I think that for me I, I was really impressed with everybody students and teachers alike stepping outside their comfort zone for this project. Angela thank you so much for for making time to chat um, for the XL podcast this has been great. Yeah no problem thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.